You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting projects coming up in the future of the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? It's been a great last few weeks of new Star Wars content, specifically Clone Wars, obviously. <laughs> so, And more great stuff, I'm sure, is on the way. So just a lot of great Star Wars stuff to enjoy right now. And I'm excited to talk Star Wars with you guys this week. So should be another fun one. Yeah, things are things are kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, we've got a lot of big Star Wars news going on and some, some exciting stuff to talk about. But, uh, Paul, you've got some exciting non-Star Wars stuff going on in your life right now as well. <laughs> Yeah, to keep it short and simple, um, my wife and I recently just had our first child, and uh, things are kind of uh, are kind of insane, different, and it, every day is a learning experience. So, uh, and if for the, those who are fathers out there, which is I'm not gonna lie, is weird for me to say this on the show right now with two very close friends of mine here. Uh, this is weird to say that, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, no, it's crazy and. Like I said, it's a. I'm learning literally, literally every second something I need to work on as a parent and husband. So, but you know what? It's it's amazing. She's amazing. Um, I'll I, I'll talk more about it later. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, right now. I'm, I'm uh, it's just been a little. It's 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 a story I'll tell for another a, a tale for another day. Maybe we'll do like an origin story episode. I can talk about <laughs> myself or I don't know. But either way, it I being a father is is awesome, but also very also very challenging, and yeah. So, but you know what? The good news is is that she's uh, she's healthy, you know, for the most part, and uh, you know, hopefully things will be going in a more consistent uh, normalcy soon. So, so yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, for all your prayers and all the, all, a lot of people on Twitter have already uh, kind of said congratulations and I really appreciate all you guys on there saying something. It really means a lot. And so, uh, so yeah, I've even, uh, yeah, just even like, just, I haven't, I haven't had any Star Wars things with her yet, but it's going to happen eventually. And when it does, you better believe I'll be posting stuff on her. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, more later, but right now, very grateful that I have a healthy baby girl. So yeah, awesome. well, we're super happy for you, and uh, definitely. Yeah, 
Um, but also grateful that you're able to get some time away to come talk Star Wars with us because uh, we love having you here too. Um, yes. And obviously, I mean, and it's still crazy times with all the, the virus stuff going on and, you know, hope you guys are all staying safe and healthy and isolated and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, Tim, let's stay isolated. Don't don't see people, Tim, at all. <laughs> I know. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> yeah, don't these, see people. These guys have been hanging out without me. <laughs> don't tell. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I don't want people to give. I don't want people to know that Tim breaks the rules. <laughs> I've come. I come well equipped. <laughs> we all. We both come well equipped. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's right. the important we'll, thing. We'll, we'll just, we'll just say that. As long as you're, you know, dressed head to toe in stormtrooper armor, or, or you got a rebreather Vader helmet on, or something like that, you know, and you're good to go. What are the things? What, what do they have in uh, in the Force Awakens and Empire Strikes Back? They have, they have a those uh, gas mask, whatever. I'm oh not sure yeah, what the, like on the Falcon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those filter out smoke, not toxins. Yeah, I was just, I was trying to see that line. I just couldn't think about something. Filter out toxins or smoke. But he's talking about stormtrooper helmets, not their masks. Yeah, I know, but still, I wanted to say that line. We're all on the same wavelength. Yeah. Same birthday, same wavelength. Yeah. Well, you can't right? beat me when it comes to thinking up random Star Wars quotes. You are pretty good. I give you I give you a lot of credit on that. You are very good. Yeah, I like to be quick on the draw with those. But uh, anyway, let's jump into some Star Wars news, shall we? Um, as always, we're getting close to the end of April, which means May is right around the corner, which means all of our favorite holiday, May 4th, is coming up. Um, and there's actually some pretty cool stuff that's going to be happening this year. Uh, first of all, The Rise of Skywalker is going to be releasing on Disney Plus on May 4th. Um, second of all, obviously Clone Wars episodes have been dropping weekly, um, which by the way, I think we're, our next episode is going to be a big, massive whopping review of the whole Siege of Mandalore arc, but we probably will talk a little Clone Wars at the end of this episode and just share some thoughts on these first couple episodes so far, because it has been phenomenal. Um, but obviously we've been getting weekly Clone Wars episodes on Fridays, um, but the series finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars will actually be airing on Monday, May the 4th as well, um, instead of the Friday that week. Um, and then on top of all that, we're also getting uh, a new, or the first episode of a new series called Disney Gallery The Mandalorian. I'm assuming this is going to be like an ongoing thing where there'll be Disney Gallery, uh, other Star Wars movies or Disney projects or whatever. Um and it's just going to be uh, stuff that they release on Disney Plus, where it's like a, a several-part behind-the-scenes documentary series. Um, I don't know if they've announced like any specific details on this, but I'm assuming these episodes are probably not going to be super long, since it's like an—I think it's an eight-part series. Normally, you would expect maybe like an hour-long documentary or something like that, but I mean, there's eight episodes of The Mandalorian, so I'm not expecting like eight-hour-long making of episode. I mean, that, that would be longer oh. than the actual series itself. So yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting awesome, maybe like 10 to 20 minute episodes, but, uh, I mean, it, it's cool. Cause ever since the Mandalorian came out, I mean, obviously we love the series and we've gotten a little bit of behind the scenes stuff just in terms of like interviews and some set photos and stuff like that. Um, but we really haven't gotten a whole lot of like, especially video content um, where we see a lot of what was going on behind the scenes and how they made it. So I'm glad that they've been uh, saving that. I mean, that'll be a pretty cool way to celebrate Star Wars Day to get to see that. 
Um, and I think it's just the first episode that's coming out on May 4th, and then uh, they'll be releasing them weekly after that. Because, of course, that'll be after Clone Wars is done, and so they got to be slow-dripping some kind of Star Wars content to keep people subscribed. But um, that's fine. I think most of us are locked in on that three-year subscription anyway because we know Obi-Wan yeah. and Cassian <laughs> and all that stuff is coming. But, uh, yeah, this will be cool to see as well. I have a feeling my three-year subscription will run out just as the Obi-Wan show is about to premiere. And I'll have to be <laughs> <up> it again. <laughs> but if they do another three-year deal like that, I'll do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> but, no, yeah, that's Mandalorian Disney Gallery series looks really, really cool. And like you said, Kyle, been wanting some type of documentary for the Mandalorian ever since the show was airing, since the first episode, we knew it would be something that would just be really cool to get all the behind-the-scenes look at it. And just from the trailer they released, it looks to be exactly that and more because – Probably the thing I'm most excited about this is the roundtable discussions that there's going to be. It looks like John Favreau is going to be meeting with all the directors for each episode, including Dave Filoni, obviously. And then I'm not sure if Dave Filoni is involved with the cast roundtable, but I know there was a few shots and discussions in the trailer where we're showing John Favreau talking to some of the cast members. So all that stuff is going to be really, really cool. And just mixing that in with the actual on the set footage and showing how they're filming and making certain scenes so it just look all looks fantastic and the only thing i'm questioning like you said is just how long is it going to be i think that 10 to 20 minute range is probably what it's going to be i'm hoping it's 10 the the lowest amount of time that's going to be and 20 would probably be the highest so but maybe it'll be a happy medium that'll be 15 minutes each or something like that but either way it's i think it's going to be great and i'm wondering if it makes sense if since there's eight episodes of the mandalorian if each episode of disney gallery is going to be focusing on each particular episode of season one and just focusing on, I guess, the director who worked on it, the cast that were involved with each episode, or if they're just kind of kind of be all over the place with each episode and talk about different topics um, regarding the show. So even though we know it's a documentary series, there's still a lot of stuff going into it that I think is going to be interesting to find out as we watch the series over eight episodes. So it just looks really cool, and I'm just glad that they're giving this to us as fans to consume as the Mandalorian was so, so good. And it's hard to think to believe, but season two is not really that far off. Mm-hmm. It is just a couple of months away. So this would just be a nice holdover till we get to closer to the premiere of season two. And I would imagine probably on the last episode, if there'd be some nice teases as far as what to expect in the mm-hmm. upcoming season. So it's going to oh, be for cool. sure. Yeah. Even I'm like, I'm not expecting to necessarily get a trailer or anything like that. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll get a couple shots of season two or at least them talking about what we can expect from it. Um, Mm, exactly. Yeah. I think we got to get something like that. Just a little tease to hold us over. Yeah. I, what, what, how hilarious would it be if we're all thinking it's going to be like 10, 20 minutes and it's like an hour long. Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, just, I don't think it's going to happen. Can you imagine? We all be like, what? Yeah, that would be you crazy. Know, I mean, they probably with... have enough content that they could do that. Um, I mean, no, heck, yeah, look at us. Just... We spend uh, we, we spent seven hours talking about a two and a half hour movie. Like, you know, you can talk about something for longer than its actual runtime, but it would it would seem weird to have an eight part series about a show and have the making of show be longer than the actual show. I was just gonna, yeah exactly. I was I was just gonna say how what what's the over under on these actually being longer or as long as the actual episodes themselves? I mean, it's probably pretty like I would say the oh I'd take I would take uh, I mean I take I would take 
the oh, I would maybe take the over potentially, potentially, <laughs> because remember these the Mandalorian episodes were like twenty two minutes long. No, they were like thirty to forty. No, like some were like some were like twenty seven minutes long. No, I think the shortest was thirty, and I think the longest one was like forty five or fifty. I think the, really? the yeah the last episode of the season was close to an hour. But I, I specifically okay. remember the premiere episode is like 39 minutes. And then uh, the okay. rest of them yeah, kind of range between like 30 to 45. Okay. Yeah, they kind of averaged out to your average hour-long like network TV show without commercials. Is yeah. kind of what the time frame ran for each almost each episode. Right. Okay. Well, so for me, I, I avoid – I've been avoiding trailers for everything these days. And – I haven't seen the trailer for this, but I, in fact, I didn't even know about it because no one there. There are some people talking about it, kind of, but it was called Disney Masterclass. So I was just like kind of ignored it, and then I realized, oh, it's actually about the Mandalorian. That's cool. And so, my I think it's going to be around fifteen minutes long. That's my my guess. I hope it's not less than ten. If it's less than ten, it's disappointing in my yeah. Opinion. At that like, point, it's not a documentary series. It's just a bunch of featurettes. It, yeah, exactly. it's, yeah. It's a bunch of webisodes from like you know StarWars.com, basically. Yeah. You know, but um, those are great too. Back yeah, those are fine too. But then you know, put it on the YouTube channel. Don't don't call exactly. it a don't call it a series. They'll try to make try to you know milk this cow that you pretty much you know are trying to like, hey. Here's a pig, but you can get milk out of it. Yeah. Come on. Dude. Well, and that's why, yeah. like I was saying, I have the feeling that this is – it's going to be about the same amount of content that you would get out of maybe like a two-hour documentary and they're just splitting it up mm-hmm. in chunks so that they can, yeah, you know, I agree. again, keep people subscribed. Yeah. I mean as long as – if it's around 15, 20 minutes, I, I, think, it's, I think that's acceptable. You know, because if you watch – if it's eight episodes over a long period of – like. And then maybe they cut it into like, like a feature length, like actual like show or movie or what documentary. That'd be cool. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I, as we, I'm not sure if we. I mean, may, I don't remember if we talked about this on this actual show, guys. But I've talked to Tim a ton about this. But I love. We talked about this maybe on the show, but docu our love of documentaries for Star Wars. Oh yeah, I mean, and we talked so, about that on or a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the special features on the rise of. Uh, That's right. I, I knew I talked. Yeah, I knew I talked about you guys at some point. This stuff is I. We love this stuff. I know me and Tim talked about watching the Empire of Dreams uh, documentary, um, even though it's super heavily like glorifies Lucas, which you know I think is rightfully so, but it's a little biased maybe. But that being said, um, I love that stuff, and so oh, I do too. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of the things I, I I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the series, and I, and and I, what I love is hearing insights. Even if if what I what it sounds a lot like. Um, have you guys seen the Avengers Infinity War? Um, yeah, uh, directors roundtable. Yeah, have you guys seen great. that? No, I haven't. I don't think so. <clears throat> it's it's really cool. It's really good actually. It's a bunch of the directors all sitting down and talking about their experiences, like John Favreau, Joss Whedon, Taika Waititi via iPad. Um, John James Gunn, Ryan Coogler, and um, basically, they're all just kind of talking about their experiences, and it's just them at a table, and it sounds kind of similar to that, and that was about what Tim about maybe less than ten minutes, maybe. Was that to me? It stepped a little longer than that. It may have been around the <clears> 10, <throat> fifteen minute length, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I saw it, but 
I remember being satisfied with how long it was where each of them got to talk about what they wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, and it was, it was a very natural conversation. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when I think of this series, I think of that specifically. And, and with that, it makes me think like, Oh, like this is going to be a a substantial, you know, kind of a thing. So I don't know. I, I, I love this stuff. And I think that as long as the the conversations are a little more candid, I mean, obviously it's on Disney plus, not going to be that candid, but it's going to have, have a more natural fluidity to it. I think that as long as it has that, I'm, I'm all game. So, you know, this is something that I think we, I would love Disney to go into more is letting going into the behind the scenes and really getting the nitty gritty. Cause I think what, um, uh, even above Marvel, I think it just fits star Wars perfectly with all the great behind the scenes, uh, videos we've gotten over the years, even back yeah. when we were kids, mm-hmm. you know, from star Wars to Jedi. That's a great documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, <clears throat> I would love to see them do. I mean, like I said, I'm sure, just the fact that it's like Disney Gallery colon The Mandalorian makes it seem like there will probably be other Disney Gallery series in the future. And I'd love to see them do one for the final season of Clone Wars. Um, they could easily oh, do God, that. I mean, yeah. the one they just released on YouTube this past week for the Ahsoka mall fight that showed Ray Park doing the mocap, that was great. Yeah, there's exactly. tons of other stuff they can go into just on that arc alone, but the whole season they can easily do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, they could do something like that. I'm sure for future series like uh, you know the Cassian series and stuff, those will probably get their own ones. Um, and then you know like the Marvel live action shows like Falcon and Winter Soldier and stuff like that, um, they'll probably do some of those as well. Um, I'm not sure about for movies because you know they're going to want to keep putting like special features on the Blu-rays and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll probably get more of these Disney Gallery type things in the future. But all right, so I, I've got. I've got the round table uh, length time. So what do you guys it? think it is? I'm curious. I'm curious what you guys, what your guess is. Just guess real fast. I say 12 minutes. Uh, 22. Kyle's close. 32. So I, really good. And, See, I knew it was a satisfying <laughs> length. Yeah. But. I remember. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that long. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and that's, and let me tell you that that's a great special feature too. It's one of the better ones Marvel's put out, and they haven't put out very much. I'll be yeah, honest. It might be the best, actually. <laughs> yeah. And what so for this, because we're getting a director roundtable and a cast roundtable and a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes footage mixed in as well, um, you know, I'm sure they got mm-hmm. plenty, plenty of content to spread over eight episodes. Yeah. So. I, 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 I kind of think that it's going to be close. I, not looking at that, looking at what all the stuff they're going to be putting into it, I bet it's going to be at least around 20 minutes. That's I'm going to go ahead and say that. That's yeah. my final thing. But yeah, so. I mean, regardless of like the length or the format or whatever, I'm just, I'm glad that we're finally getting a behind the scenes look at some of the stuff that, you're, that they did on the production of The Mandalorian. It sounds really cool, like just from some of the stuff we've heard in interviews about some of their production techniques and stuff. So I'm excited to see that stuff in action and now obviously, obviously get to hear from everybody involved. So we're using an art of book now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would buy that in a heartbeat. They probably figured, eh, you got the end credit scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I would buy a book just of all the artwork from the end credit scenes. Totally. <laughs> Which, um, it's eventually coming. It's eventually yeah. coming. Yeah, they might wait till they've got like two seasons worth or something like that. Because like now, you know, they're releasing a, a art of uh, Star Wars Rebels book 
for the whole series. They already released an Art of Clone Wars book, but I think that was for like the first two seasons in the movie. Yeah. So um, that yeah, was great maybe, too. maybe they're just waiting till they got more content on the Mandalorian. Speaking of which, they should do an art of the entire series of Clone Wars book. I would also I buy. Know. I would also buy that in a heartbeat. It more than deserves it because, like you said, that first one that came out, I think it was during the. I might be wrong, but I believe it was mainly covering season one, and it gave you a sneak peek at season two. I think it's season one of the movie. Yeah, because I remember like giving you teases for season two. Oh, okay. And I was like, like, oh, these concepts look good, but. Yeah, now looking back, how all the other great stuff we got beyond season two, it mm-hmm. just begs to have a new art book that covers every season. And, and I got to say, too, that book now is like goes for a lot of money because it's out of print. Oh, yeah. And I bought mine about three years ago because I, I kept forgetting about it. I went, oh, yeah, I need to buy this. I'm so glad I did because I bought mine. I think I bought used for about 25 bucks. And or you know maybe it's like twenty five thirty around there. I got because I I couldn't find it. I was like, man, I can't find this anywhere. So I just I just said, I'm not trying to. I'm not even trying to find a good deal. I'm just gonna go and pick it up. I found it on eBay, picked it up for like twenty five thirty bucks for my birthday. Like just bought it for myself. I'm like, okay, I'm happy. And then like literally the next year, I look up, it's like hundred bucks everywhere Jeez. I look. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. So I was like, thank. Thank you, God, for you know making me buy that when I did. And speaking of the Art of book <clears throat> for uh, Star Wars Rebels, I got a little mini story about that. I'm a little a little PO'd actually. So uh, my Amazon, like I I'm, I have Amazon through my, with my brother, and it's through his account. And he had like long story short, he had like to do a couple uh, security things recently on it. Well, when I went to go look in the status of a of an I order I pre-order all my Star Wars books in, in, in advance, and the Rebels Art of book was on there, and I and I noticed and I, I thought the Art of book was coming out in May, and I look it up, and uh, the other day and it said like your your thing was on hold, you're waiting for a security check, and I was like I, I texted my brother I said hey can you fix this he was like oh yeah. So he did. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I went to go look the status of my uh, Rebels Art of book, and it said temporarily out of stock. What? And <clears throat> I pre-ordered this thing like back in November, and because this, of the security check that my brother had to do, it didn't ship. So it didn't count me in as like all the yeah. all the pre-orders. <laughs> oh, that's. I was so mad. I I was like, are you kidding me? And it was temper, and, and the ironic thing is, because I think the reason why it's out of stock on there is because it it's pretty cheap. It's the cheapest one you can get. It's like only it's under thirty dollars, hmm. which if you go on Barnes and Noble, it's thirty nine ninety nine. Well, well speaking so of mad. cheap art books, the Art of Jedi Fallen Order is only twenty, or at least it was when I got it. So, yeah, it's not that one's that book, and, and I, I love. I, I'm a big Art of book guy for Star Wars. I have them all now. I'm pretty sure I have all the Art of books. Um, Mind even a couple of little special ones here and there, most of those. But anyway, that book in particular isn't necess- isn't a huge book. It's no, really it's nice. Not. But it's not. It doesn't have a lot of pages to it. Like 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 the Rise of Skywalker one is like it's thick. You know, mm-hmm. it's got a lot going on. Um, but with the uh, but anyway with, with with Rebels book, I was so mad that I couldn't. I couldn't even like. I had to wait for it to come out. I went online and looked around. I couldn't find it anywhere. I looked on Target and they only they had limited edition ones still, which is like forty bucks more. I was so mad. I'm like, I'm just gonna find a special edition one. I have, 
<laughs> so I ended up spending more money just to get it because I was so mad at Amazon. <laughs> I'm going to buy this. That's a show Amazon. I'm going to buy it at Target. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, but, you know, I have it. I, I will have it at my house next Friday. So, oh, nice. Yeah. As long so as you I, have I, it, that's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to wait anymore, even though I'm not even in my house right now. I'm in, you know, California. Uh, I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a... I'm I'm not gonna wait around for that. No, I gotta have that art of book ASAP. So, so yeah. But anyway, I haven't. I, the weird thing is, I haven't been on social media. Has anyone even really talked about the Rebels art of book at all? I've seen some people talking about it. I remember it kind of being a big deal when it was announced. I honestly, like, I hadn't pre-ordered it, and I kind of forgot when it was coming out. Um, but I'll, I mean, I'll probably try to get my hands on that once it's back in stock in some places, and if I can find it for yeah. not too expensive. Well, it 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 got pushed. It got pushed back. That's why you probably forgot about it because it was supposed mm. to come out in December. Oh, okay. or October. It was supposed to come out in October, and they got pushed to like the springtime. So. Yeah, I don't. They it's must have been pushing everything back because the Rise of Skywalker books got pushed back too. But yeah, so yeah, so I'm. I, I'm sure we'll have an episode, maybe in a couple of weeks or whatever. We can I can talk about. Are you getting the book too, Tim? I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but once see, I was kind of in the same boat as Kyle, or because that announcement was a while ago, I kind of forgot when the release date was. So I'll probably check in again and maybe just go on Barnes and Noble and see, get it when they have it in stock. Yeah, well, they have it in stock. It's just, it's a little more expensive. I'm part of their membership, so I'm hoping that will help with the price being a little cheaper. So that's yeah, why that usually gets it down close to the Amazon price, price but yeah. not exactly. But but yeah, anyway, well, that's yeah, yeah. that's the uh, the May the Fourth news, which I don't know how we ended up on art books, but oh, because we were saying the Mandalorian needs one. But um, yeah, so we yeah. got the the Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian um, coming May the Fourth, as well as of course the Clone Wars finale and Rise of Skywalker. Um, it's going to be a great May the 4th for new Star Wars premieres, that's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, like, I'm going to watch the Mandalorian stuff too, but it would be a great May the 4th if it was just Clone Wars. I'm probably going to, like, just spend the entire day just – I'm going to watch the entire Siege of Mandalore arc again um, leading up to the finale and then probably watch that final episode, you know, two, three, four times. I don't know. Um I think the last episode, uh, The Phantom Apprentice, I watched three times in one day. So, um, that's <laughs> my final. I, I put the question out on Twitter as far as the question is for Star Wars fan isn't have you seen The Phantom Apprentice yet? It's how many times are you going to watch it this whole weekend? I, my final count was four, and I could watch it again right now. <laughs> it's just that good, that rewatchable. It's just not. I can only imagine watching the whole arc is going to be the same thing where you just want to experience it over and over again. I cannot wait to see those last two episodes. Yeah. Honestly, like I'm trying not to watch them too many times because I don't want to like burn myself out on it. I probably would have watched them like six or seven times each by now. But, um, no, I think I've watched the first episode five times and the second one, four times. Cause I watched the first episode four times, like in that first weekend. And then I watched it again before I watched the Phantom Apprentice. So, um, and then I'm going to do the same thing with, uh, well, actually I was going to say I'm, I would do, I'm going to do the same thing on Friday, but I'm actually considering maybe waiting till Monday and just watching it all at once since we only have to wait another like three days instead of waiting a whole nother week. Um, I'm actually thinking about breaking the rules like you guys do and going and watching it with my sister and us hanging out. So, um, 
it would be cool to get to see two new episodes together for the first time instead of one. But we'll see how that goes. Um, That's off to you if you're able to hold out <laughs> that many days. Not yeah. All I'm going to have to do is just delete Twitter and YouTube. Honestly, it's now when I get to Friday, the feeling of, oh, there's a new Clone Wars episode out there and I haven't seen it yet is probably going to start eating me up. But as of right now, like thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I can keep myself entertained for the weekend. I can play Battlefront and just you know, and wait to watch Clone Wars, but it's, I'm, I'm going to be paranoid about spoilers. So I'm going to probably just delete my Twitter and YouTube apps for the weekend. But, um, I, uh, I, we, me and Tim are, um, we may or may not be meeting up for Clone Wars episodes and we may or may not be watching all of them in a row. Tim, Right. It all depends on your point of view. Yeah. <laughs> all all really depends. Am I there on the astral plane? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, you're so, sitting, you're sitting <laughs> you're really just sitting at home in Seattle projecting yourself right now. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Floating up on a cliff like Luke Skywalker. Right, right, right. Ooh, 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 yes, yes, yes. And then I'll come and try to murder Tim in, in my sleep. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know what? Pretend yeah. I didn't say anything. We're not getting into that right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't you? I, we got two episodes of Clone Wars left. I am not getting into sequel trilogy debates. I, I was telling Tim the other day, Kyle. I say like, I love Kyle. He he puts up a lot with me. I love pressing his buttons because he's like he'll he resists for a while, but I everyone but then he eventually I get him. And he's like ah. You know, you just have to. No, you know, it's like even I was texting a buddy of mine earlier, and we were we were talking about Star Wars, and got into talking about some issues with the sequel trilogy. And I was like, you know what, I I can't be bothered with sequel debates right now. I'm too. I'm in my Clone Wars mood. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 yeah, yeah. I, I I just say that as a joke. No, Tim. Um, we may or may not be uh meeting up this Friday, and let's just be honest, Tim. Probably Monday as well. Let's just you know. I mean, come on, it's. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. You, but Tim, I've seen Tim a lot, or I'm from the from a certain point of view in the astral plane. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I have, I've avoided a lot of stuff regarding the the siege of Mandalore, um, due to the crazy circumstances that I've been going in, and I remember going into the Phantom, uh, you know. To all this and and i just yeah i have not i have only seen them once each and it's not because i don't think they're they're very good it's because they're amazing and i'm just like i don't i want to make the next episode when i rewatch them make them count so mm-hmm. like you know we want to be in, engrossed in it and so i'm not going to rewatch the next uh, the the first two episodes up until we watch the third one the new one's coming out this friday so i and i know for me and tim we're gonna have to wait till that evening so which like i know, said i don't know uh, how kyle's gonna make if he decides to wait till monday is gonna last those three days i i'm he's not can't even, i can't even think of not waiting to watch it on thursday is gonna be a struggle for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll see he's not we'll see i'll let you know how it goes um i'm gonna tell you, i'm gonna tell you right now i'm, I'm telling you that you're not kyle disapprove me wrong for your sake <laughs> i can do that <laughs> Give him some extra motivation. <laughs> exactly. As in, he'll be like, I'm not letting that last Jedi hate in person. Yeah, exactly. Right. I was just going to say, if I watch this episode, the last Jedi hater wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you really are that similar. I'm telling you, it's Capricorn, same birthday, man. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, anyway, I, I might want to. We might get into some more Clone Wars thoughts before the end of this episode. Um, like I said, we obviously our next one is just going to be a massive Clone Wars review. But I've got some thoughts, especially on the last episode that I want to get into. Um, but before we do that, let's let's get into some more news. Um, because we actually have more casting announcements, which is something we haven't had in a while. Um, but we've got some casting announcements for the Cassian Andor series um, with a few different actors who were recently announced to have joined that show. Also, I think, did we talk about the fact on our last episode or last time we talked about news and stuff that um, that the Cassian series had been... Uh, or no, it was the Obi-Wan series that had kind of been pushed off. Um, and is now kind of up and running again. But also the Cassian series has undergone some changes. Uh, Tony Gilroy, who was the basically the guy who came in and saved Rogue One and did all the the, write, the, the writing for the reshoots and stuff. Um, and I think he was hired on as a writer for the Cassian series, but he has now taken over as, show, as showrunner. Um, and uh, I, I read something about this the other day with... Uh, some of the other writers that are involved in the show as well, but he's going to be running the show, which honestly sounds good to me. I mean, I love Rogue One and I think he did great work on it. So um, excited to have him involved in that era of Star Wars again. Um, and then as far as the actors who've joined the cast, uh, we've got, uh, first of all, Genevieve O'Reilly, who played Mon Mothma in Rogue One and also in some deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith. She'll be reprising her role. Um, and then we've also got some new actors. Um, oh, and I guess the Tony Gilroy thing is in this press release as well that I'm reading on StarWars.com. But uh, we've also got uh, Stellan Skarsgård, um, who you might recognize from uh, – well, he's been in the MCU. He's Thor's, like, scientist friend that he goes drinking with and stuff. Um, he's going to be in it as well as Denise Goff and Kyle Soller. Um, so there's some new additions to the cast uh, for the Cassian series. No, uh, they actually haven't um, announced any of the characters that they'll be playing aside from Mon Mothma. They did confirm that. And I think we could all kind of figure that anyways. Um, but yeah, no, no information on uh, roles they're playing or anything like that. But um, if you're familiar with uh, any of those actors, well, you'll get to see them in Star Wars now. Uh, yeah, Skarsgård is the one I'm probably the most, like, stoked about because he's such a great actor. He, I mean, he's just, he's great in everything he's in. And he's obviously great as his Marvel character, which I, for you know, I, Dr. Selvig. I could not remember his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, Dr. Selvig, which is a character I, I don't even know if he's in the comics, to be honest. And I'm, I'm a, you know, comic book person, so I don't think he is. Uh, maybe he is now. But uh, that being said, he's great in Goodwill Hunting. He's in the original Insomnia movie that Chris Nolan uh, eventually would eventually adapt into American the American version with uh, Robin Williams. But he, uh, there's a it's based on an orig original Norwegian film that he was in as well. Um, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's just a great solid actor. He's got a couple of kids that are, are, are obviously you know one was Pennywise, mm -hmm. uh, the clown from It. But he himself is a fantastic actor. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's actually going to be in a, a, a movie that I'm very, very, very excited about called Dune. He plays uh, one of the bad guys, Baron Harkonnen. So and that's going to be a – that role he plays is going to be a lot of prosthetics and different things like that. But this is not a Dune podcast. But that being said, 
He's a very good actor, and I'm very excited to see him work in Star Wars. And honestly, he just screams Imperial to me. 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, which again, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think he's going to be 100% the Imperial probably going after the Rebellion, kind of your main Imperial guy that will eventually die off because he's a bigger name actor and they probably don't want to pay him that much. So, you know, <laughs> that's my that's my going uh, take on that. But, yeah, either way, getting him I think is a really big deal because he's a good actor. So it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big it's a big get is what I'm trying to say. Big get for the, the casting Andor series. Yeah, I'm just glad to get some more news on a new Star Wars series, too, because we know it's coming, but this and the Obi-Wan show, but the news has been slowly trickling out for both of them. So to get some official announcements for it is really cool. And then um, another thing that was said in the press release at StarWars.com is the timeline that it takes place in, which it says it's going to be five years before Rogue One, which kind of sets it right in that Rebels time period or timeline. Um, so I wonder if we're going to be seeing some potential characters from rebels make their live action debut in row or in the Cassian series. It's definitely more of a possibility now that it's they're lining up rather nicely as it leads into row one. So that could be some potential exciting stuff there. So um, that, that was interesting. And even though it's kind of a no brainer, I just, I think it is still cool to get that officially announced that Mon Mothma will be in this series as well and be working with Cassian on whatever secret operatives he's going to be assigned to by the Rebel Alliance. So, yeah, just more great news coming down for the Cassian show and just Star Wars TV in general and hopefully not too far out as when we'll start getting some more details maybe about um, characters of who these actors are playing, more specific stories or plot details surrounding the series and eventually a trailer, of course, but... Um, oh, I just find it exciting that we got the Mandalorian season one already finished and done that we've all seen season two is right around the corner. And now we're getting into that next phase of Star Wars TV shows as Cassian is the next one up. And that just is going to lead into the big one, the Obi-Wan show. So mm -hmm. the more we get um, the ball rolling on Cassian, the closer we're getting for Obi-Wan as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, I'm excited for Cassian as well. Like it's I'm not just waiting on this as a stepping stone to Obi-Wan. I mean, like you said, there's going to be, it'll be cool to step back into that rebellion time period and see more of like the early days um, and hopefully get some Rebels cameos. I mean, if this is, I guess if this is five years before Rogue One, that kind of would put it either right around the same time as season one of Rebels or maybe a little bit before. Um, and so, um, you know, even if the whole ghost crew hasn't fully formed yet. And I'm not expecting to see, like, all of them in live action. Although, that would be cool, too. But I think we probably will get at least Hera at some point. That's what I'm guessing, too. Yeah, she'd be the most logical one. To, if it was only going to have one Rebel characters make the jump from animation to live action, it would probably be Hera. Yeah, especially because she's the one that, especially in season one, when there isn't really, like, a fully formed Rebel alliance yet, she's the one that's, like, in contact with them and is kind of like not even being open with the rest of the ghost crew about what exactly is going on with like fulcrum and all that, but she's the one that's tied into all that. So, um, that's, that's actually another Avenue. I'm curious if they're going to explore because we'll see if they draw on this, but I know in the visual guide for rogue one, it did mention that Cassian did play the role as fulcrum at during a point during the rebellion. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if maybe we'll see the tail end of that of his time as fulcrum before Ahsoka takes it. Or there's again, it's since it's from the visual guide, I'm not sure if they'll draw directly from that, but I always thought that was a They're cool not. little detail. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah, I, I was kind of expecting no. that they would do that. 
Tony Gilroy don't care, man. He's going to do his thing. If he's, if he, you know, if from all we know, the casting Andor and Obi-Wan Kenobi for that matter, both those series have had writing troubles and with Cassian, they brought Gilroy back in, you know, well into again, like production of the series. Now they hadn't started filming obviously, but they were in trouble enough to where like they had multiple, you know, it took a while to get this thing going. They brought, they brought Tony back. So and Tony, as we all know, has gone on record to be like, I don't really care about Star Wars, which I think is, I think actually does help in this case mm-hmm. and the case of Rogue One. I just don't, unless the, the story group's like, no, Tony, you have to include this if you're going to, you know, I I just don't see it. I think it's it's going to be Cassian doing his own thing, you know. And again, I think as far as Hera goes, I'm curious where exactly this falls in the timeline because where exactly are the ghost crew in comparison to Cassian? Because we all know at the very end of Rebels, they are on Yavin 4, and Cassian's there as well, but Kara just gets there. You know what I'm saying? So it feels like this Cassian series is going to be a little bit, for whatever reason, I think it's going to be a little before that, maybe. I don't know. I could be wrong. But going to Yavin 4 seems like it, it's possible, but I just don't think it's going to be take place at that time frame. Um, well, because they could meet up in other circumstances and scenarios. That was what I'm thinking. I mean, it doesn't have to be on Yavin four Yeah, where they could have known each other before then. And then exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to overlap with rebels necessarily, especially in the later seasons, but you can still see some of those characters pop up. Yeah. But, yeah I definitely think it'll be a time before Ezra joined the ghost crew. If they're going to show up at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Ezra better not be in the Cassie Nandor series. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Can you imagine, Tim and, and Kyle, if, like, Ezra shows up, like, it's actually, like, little Ezra with a little staple gun, like, lightsaber thing. <laughs> hey, guys! I'm a little Jedi! It's, like, animation, <laughs> it, it works, it, it's okay, but live action, that'd be, it's, like, a little bit older Jake Lloyd from Phantom Menace being like, yippee! <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't know if it's gonna work. And well, better yet, action. he could use his uh, slingshot weapon that he always used at the beginning. Oh of gosh, the you had to remind me of that. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny? I'm just gonna go ahead and say on record that, yeah, it's dumb, but it. But I don't. I don't hate it. It's weird. I just see. I Rebels don't mind the lightsaber. I think the idea of like a lightsaber that's also a blaster that you know the blade and the the blaster kind of come from the same power source. I think that's kind of cool. And and well, obviously, cool. like I, I don't. I'm not as big of a fan of Rebels as I am of Clone Wars, but I still love that show. It's got you know great characters and some great Star Wars moments. Ezra's not my favorite character. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't dislike him. Like I, I like him well enough. I just think there are other characters that they do much better. But I do. Yeah. Like I, the, I, the the one thing that did bug me, like in that early season, I was like, why does he have a freaking laser slingshot? Like he's holding little energy balls with his fingers. This makes no sense. Disney XD, <laughs> come on, that's why. But it, I know. It, I for know. the record, just for the record, I for whatever reason, I after watching some recent. Uh, Rebels episodes on the astral plane. Um, <laughs> and, and I got to say that I, I have a real soft spot for that series, man. There's mm-hmm. some, there's something about Star Wars Rebels that is, I, like you said, Kyle, it's not, it's not going to be Clone Wars level. 
it's impossible, especially with Siege of Mandalore. Holy crap. But that being said, there's something about that series that I, it's just, it's really, even a couple years later, some of these later seasons, it's still is holding up pretty well. So, but yeah, if, if, but again, going back to the Cassian, if they're going to bring in any character, it would be great to see Hera because she is such an important character, I think, in the Rebellion slash New Republic and, and as far as where she kind of is and, and kind of getting all these things together. So it would make sense. It, really, it wouldn't really make sense to have Kanan or Zeb or, or even Sabine at that point. Hera makes the most sense of her obvious connection directly into the Rebellion. So, And to be honest, she's kind of popped up in multiple mediums. So if you count, if you count let's say, Rogue One, that's probably Hera, right? She's not in the movie as like visible, but we can assume that she's flying the. Well, the oh, not only name. that, but they mention her name in the background. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay, yeah, okay. Like, so General Sandula reported the briefing room. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so yeah, so she's so she's in Rogue One. She's Rogue One film. She's in the uh, Afra comic book, which is again she's in the Canon comic, but that's a little more makes a little more sense. But the Afra, she actually makes a full on guest appearance in a couple of issues. She's also in Alphabet Squadron. So she, she's cross multiple, multiple mediums. So I feel she's just the, the most appropriate for all of them. So mm-hmm. that's, my, that's my, my hot take. Let's get Hera in there. I'd love to see a live-action Hera. Yeah, that would be cool. Especially I was hoping to see her at the end of Rise of Skywalker since we saw the ghost. I was hoping she'd be in that celebration scene. So, um, But I think this would be a, a perfect time for them to finally get her in there. Um, but speaking of Star Wars series, so that's some casting news from the Cassian series. And then it was also announced that we're getting a new Star Wars series. At least this was confirmed by Variety um, and, you know, some other like Hollywood trade publications. I don't think it's been officially confirmed by Lucasfilm yet. But, you know, whenever it comes from these like pretty legit sources and it's not just a rumor from like we got this covered or something like that. um <laughs> you know, wait till till we get uh, official confirmation before, you know, really um, buying into it. But, like, I, I think this is pretty trustworthy news here um, that we're getting a new Star Wars series from uh, Leslie Headland, who is the creator of uh, or co-creator of the TV series Russian Doll, um, which I haven't seen. But um, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people seem to be pretty excited about this, and she's been involved with some some pretty critically acclaimed TV shows, and I guess Russian Doll is a series on Netflix. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she's working on uh, some kind of Star Wars series, uh, most likely for Disney+, Plus, obviously. Um, and um, I don't know. We, we don't know what... Uh, this series is going to be aside from well, it says details of the exact plot of the series are being kept under wraps but sources say it will be a female centric series that takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than other projects um, again that doesn't really tell us anything I mean by different era it could just be like sometime in between episode 3 and 4 that hasn't really been explored yet or it could be sometime in between 6 and 7 I mean there's still kind of a lot of unexplored area in those time periods, but it also could be, you know, a hundred years in the past or future or take place during the high Republic or whatever. Um, so not really any details to go on as far as story or characters or anything like that, but um, yeah, potential new star Wars series in the works, which is always exciting news. Yeah. And I'm really curious when they have those vague descriptions, as far as it almost seems like whenever there's a new show announced, it's 
at a time period not previously seen before or something that's set in a different time than what you're used to. Something to that degree where it's not necessarily, they just use that as part of the PR spin as far as to get you excited for something totally brand new. But I don't know. We'll see what it exactly is. Cause I think you make a good point where it could be some, there's a big gap between some of the films like six and seven. So it could be set between six and seven, like the Mandalorian, but not taking place exactly during the same time as the Mandalorian. So yeah. um, we'll see if it is end up being something like that. But I am, it made me think when it said it's going to be a female-centric cast of characters that the series will focus on. I'm wondering if it leads any credence to those rumors we haven't heard too much about, about a potential Ahsoka and Sabine animated series. And if that's potentially something that's going to be done in live action or certain aspects of it, maybe. But that's what I thought of when I saw that. And going back to that whole timeline thing that could fit into where it's set between six and seven, but not necessarily taking place during the same time as the Mandalorian. So we could do tons of speculation as far as what it can possibly be, but I'm just excited that we now got a fourth star Wars TV show coming on the horizon to Disney plus. So it's just that reason alone is enough to get me excited. But um, like you, Kyle, haven't seen um, that show Russian dolls, um, but on that article by that variety posted, um, there was an interview with uh, Leslie Headland at the Rise of Skywalker premiere, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she just seems like a diehard Star Wars fan because they asked, I think the interview asked her, oh, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Instead of giving the typical cliche Empire Strikes Back response, even though that's my response too. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just says pretty much all of Star Wars, whereas like she doesn't view them as movies. It's, it's just Star Wars, something that exists and that she immerses herself in, in that universe nice. and world. So she seems like a fan who gets what Star Wars is all about and just has an appreciation for everything that uh, involves with Star Wars. So uh, ex- excited to see what she can do in the Star Wars universe of someone who seems like a very big fan of it. So yeah, definitely some good news to get on the Star Wars TV front. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say Tim and Kyle that when there's smoke, there's fire. And with the recent rumors of Ahsoka, it would make a lot of sense that this is all happening with the announcement of Ahsoka coming to Mandalorian and that Ahsoka could potentially, you know, being played by a pretty, you know, decently well-known actress like Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Dawson, Rosie O'Donnell. I'm going to say Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell being played by Ahsoka. Oh my goodness. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. And to me, that 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 to me seems like when there's smoke, there's fire. And whenever these things are being rumored, like these animated series or whatever, it it could be crossed. I, I think this could be an Ahsoka series. I really do. And, you know, I, I could be wrong. And we all know Dave Filoni it will probably be, won't be too far behind a, a Ahsoka anything, whether it be a book, novel, TV series, animated show. But at the same time, it sounds like Dave Filoni's got his hands in a lot of different, I, a lot of different things uh, in Star Wars, and, and and being a showrunner may not be exactly what he's going to do. Um, it's something he'd want to do just you know full time because he's executive producing the Mandalorian TV series. So, and probably, but it doesn't mean he wouldn't executive produce a potential Ahsoka series if they were going to make one, and probably means he probably would even direct an episode. So it, it remains to be seen. If it's completely different than Ahsoka and it's a whole new female-centric um, series, there's a number of different things. And I, I hate to be uh, one of these people, but, you know, 
I wouldn't be opposed to a Dr. Aphra series, to be quite honest. I really have grown to love the character more and more and more as uh, as she's kind of gone on. Now, I think it really depends on who's writing her. Because I wasn't, even though the original, the guy who created her, Kieran, Gill, uh, Kieran Gillen, uh, not the biggest fan of um, his original his original run on the character with the character at her, 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 her solo, uh, solo series, but Steven, uh, Simon Spurrier, he, uh, when he took over for Kieran, uh, I thought he made the character way more likable and way more interesting, and uh, I really grew to love the character through uh, his stories. So. I would love to see a Dr. Aphra series, uh, but I'm also open to a brand new character that is just, you know, again, if it's a female centric series, uh, what's give me a brand new character. I have no idea who it is and, and the good uh, mystery unsolved un, un, unfold. So yeah, I, I'm kind of down with whatever, but I wouldn't mind seeing a Dr. Aphra series. I know that's been kind of somewhat rumored and implied here or there. I know Dr. Aphra has a new, um, audio drama coming that's I, I believe it's a a part of the comic series it's so it's it's a it's a adaptation of the comics is what i understand is that right tim and kyle oh i have no idea tim did you yeah, see I this know, yeah i know there was a audio drama coming but i obviously didn't look to see if it was an adaption of the comics or something totally brand new i think it is i think it we're is we're failing a star wars journalist right here <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean like i remember i've been off social media when, when i had when i was hanging or on the astral plane when i was talking to tim uh i remember going like hey what's this dr afro series and, and he said i even oh yeah i forgot about that i didn't even look at that i'm like really because i've been off social media so much i'm like why didn't you tell me about this I'm pretty sure it's it's an adaptation of the comics. But like I said, I think Afro would be a really interesting character and a really easy character to put on screen, to be honest, because she is pretty much a loner, even though she has those killer droids with her for the most part. You could easily write them off or put them on. Or the, and, I was going to say be easy to adapt to the screen, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, because it is a black C-3P on a black R2-D2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a lot going on there. That's a good point. But yeah, put them on. Um it, the only thing about Doctor Afra is, I think, what wouldn't make sense in the uh, in a, a Disney Plus series is that her it's a little bit more of a darker story. Even though the Mandalorian isn't exactly you know lollipops and rainbows, uh, it's a little bit more darker edge than I think the even the Mandalorian as far as like tone and things like that. So I don't really know if she would fit that necessarily, but like as far as like again, she's she's really interesting character. She's a great character. I just don't know if, if Disney would want to invest a whole series about her, but at the same time, I think they should. So um so yeah, I, I'm in favor of Dr. Afro, but I'm also in favor of a Soka series. And I'm also in favor of a solo series. I just love more Star Wars. But uh if I if I had it my way, I'd either want a Soka series or a Dr. Afro series. Yeah, I'll and you know what? One. For someone who actually has never read the Dr. Afro comics, but I've heard good things about them from certain people and, and people who like that character, I'd be all for that. Um, you know, just for as, as someone who doesn't have the, the time or money to read every single run of Star Wars comics, um, if there's, you know, an interesting character out there that I'm missing out on and they could make a good series about, um, obviously I've already got my Disney Plus subscription, so yeah, I would definitely watch that. And you know what? As much as I love, and, and yeah, these rumors came out that maybe a, a Rosario Dawson is going to be playing Ahsoka in live action in The Mandalorian and stuff. And um, 
I don't know. See, I have conflicting feelings about this. On the one hand, I hate that this got leaked and like everybody was talking about it because I'm sure that if this is true, that it's something that Dave Filoni and John Favreau wanted to keep under wraps and was probably going to be like a big reveal in the series and not something that we're going to see in the first trailer for season two. Um, but also, I don't know. I, my mind will probably change on this once I actually see it in live action if it does happen. But as much as I absolutely love the character of Ahsoka and would love to see her storylines continue and get more stories with that character, I kind of like her being that one character that just keeps continuing through Star Wars animation. You know, like, I, I kind of worry that if someone else were to do a live action series with Ahsoka, especially if it was a different showrunner and like Dave Filoni wasn't really involved and Ashley Eckstein wasn't involved. I'm like, would it really be the same? Would it, you know, obviously she'd look the same and, and it would still be the same character and it would all be canon, but would it really be the same? Would it feel like the same Ahsoka that we know and love? Um, and would they like run the character into the ground by trying to do too much with her in too many different mediums and stuff like that? So I'm a little skeptical about that. At the same time, I mean, I, I love the character, and obviously if there wasn't a Soka series, I obviously would watch it, um, and I hope it would be good. I would just, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of cautiously optimistic about that, but very cautious. Um, maybe it's just the fact that I, I love her as an animated character so much, and like I... On the one hand, it would be cool to see that character, like, make the jump from the screen to live action. And it's one thing, like, if she has a cameo in the Cassian series or something like that, which I think also would be really cool. I don't think we even mentioned that when we talked about the Cassian series and, you know, seeing potentially, like, Hera or some other characters from Rebels. We could also see Ahsoka, because she's working with the Rebels at that point, too. She and Cassian could both be, you know, fulcrum at the same time. We don't know. Um but yeah, I don't know for her to get her own live action series. Like I, if, especially if it's going to be something where it's like her and Sabine finding Ezra, like I'd kind of rather keep that in animation. Um, but I don't know. That's just me. And like I said, I'm sure once we see the first trailer for it or something, if that does end up being the case, I'll probably change my mind as soon as I actually see it on the screen. But um, I don't know. I was just a little iffy about that for right now. Yeah. I don't know. I can understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, I just, think that ahsoka making the jump from animation to live action is going to be such a testament to her character that she's able to make that leap and transcend both mediums animation and live action but uh, you make a good point where we'll have to see how the translation goes as far as from animation to live action but i have total confidence that if that is the case and dave filoni is going to be the one who has to kind of sign off on it or just to be the one to kind of shepherd her into animation to live action to make sure it's kind of something that's seamless and you are seeing the same character no matter which version you're seeing of her in, whether it is live action or animation. So I just yeah. put all my trust and confidence in Dave Filoni to make sure that he wouldn't do that unless he knows it was done right because the character just means so much to him and he always kind of has that hands-on approach when it comes to other people writing Ahsoka and telling stories about her. So... Um, that's kind of where I take it, where as Dave Filoni's happy and agrees to it, then I will be too, unless it's shown otherwise, where um, we don't like it, doesn't work. But until then, until we're able to see it, uh, it's where I'm just going to put my trust and faith that Dave Filoni knows what's best for the character and will deliver uh, what he feels is right for it, if that is the direction they decide to go. Yeah, no, also, and you're, you're totally right on that. Like, if Dave signs off on it, I'll be okay with it, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just my two thought, two cents on, you know, I, I kind of have a little bit of hesitation about it right now, but we'll see. Like I said, I'm sure it'll all work out fine. I hope, probably. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, you know, the news regarding um, the Cassian series and then this new series we're potentially getting um, and the, the May the 4th stuff as well. So that's all the kind of live action Star Wars news. Um, the one other kind of bit of news that we've got, well, this is actually kind of a big news item. Um, you guys know how much we're fans of Star Wars games and uh, the especially Star Wars Battlefront 2 and we cover all the updates that uh, come out for the game and stuff. So there's a new update that actually just came out today um, and it's the Battle of Scarif update where they add, um, you know, they, they brought the Scarif map from the original Battlefront back into Battlefront 2 um, for the Supremacy game mode and co-op and they added uh, Supremacy to some more Age of Rebellion maps and so you can play on, I think it's like um, uh, Hoth and the Death Star and uh, Yavin. I don't remember all the maps, but anyways, the, the Age of Rebellion stuff is now available for Supremacy. Um, Scarif is in there. They've got some new uh, skins for um, like the Shore Trooper and the Rebel Pathfinder from Rogue One um, that you can play as on Scarif. And then they also have some new hero skins. Uh, we've got the uh, the Darth Maul skin from Rebels, the old master appearance where he's got his robot legs and stuff. And then we've got um, new appearances for Rey and Kylo from Rise of Skywalker, including a Rey Skywalker appearance where you can actually play with her with her yellow lightsaber. So that's pretty dang cool. Um, and there's some some additional changes and stuff that they've added. It's actually a pretty big update. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. Um, I actually tried to play for a little bit before we got on tonight. Um, and of course I have my Xbox set to auto download updates and it never does, at least not on like the first day. Um, every time I go and try to play like a new battlefront update on the day it comes out, it still has to download. So I didn't get to actually play any before we jumped on here, but, um, looking forward to getting to, to play, especially on Scarif. I mean, I've seen some video gameplay footage of it and it looks just beautiful and, and like a ton of fun. So can't wait to check that out. Um, but unfortunately, this is going to be the last content update, update that we get for Battlefront 2. Um, and they announced that they're kind of just winding things down on it. I mean, obviously, the game is going to stay live and you can still play online with with your friends and everything. Um, the game will continue on, but this is going to be the, uh, the end of their sort of live support for it. Um, which is, is sad, I know, um, especially like right now, it's weird because it seems like the game is almost kind of at its peak right now. Like I know yeah. uh, back in December, like they released obviously the Rise of Skywalker content and they, but they also released that sort of like repackaged um, like celebration edition that included all the content and stuff like that. Um, and that did really well. And there's a lot of people playing the game right now and a lot of people loving it. And obviously we've talked so much already about just how much it's improved since it launched and, um, and just the, the current state of the game and, and how good it is. Um, but it has been out for two and a half years and for, for them to continue providing updates and service and stuff, um, and more additional content, especially that it's all been free and there hasn't been any sort of subscription model or, or paid DLC or anything like that. Um, you know, the fact that we've gotten two years of free updates and all the, all the content that we have gotten, um, really has been pretty impressive, especially considering, how the game launched, I mean, and, and just sort of the debacle that that was with the loot boxes and all that kind of stuff. And so obviously they sort of needed to do a lot of work to turn it around and kind of earn the fans respect back. But at the same time, you know, EA could have just as easily been like, you know what, let's just cut our losses and let it go and move on to the next game. Um, but the fact that they committed to, uh, 
you know, to fixing so much of the game and then adding so much more cool stuff to it and doing it all for free. Um, and that it's been going on this long. I mean, I'm just super grateful that we've gotten all the stuff that we have gotten. Um, and, uh, you know, just a, a huge thank you and, and congratulations to, uh, the whole development team on the game for all their hard work and for, um, just the, the amazing journey that they've been able to, to sort of turn this game around. So, um, sad that we won't be getting any more, any more future updates. Um, I know I'm like the one person that really was still hoping for Anakin's Jedi Starfighter. It's been forever since we got any new Starfighter content, but, um, you know, we get, we get Scarif, we get the Rogue One stuff, and obviously all the stuff we've gotten from Geonosis and Anakin and Obi-Wan to, like, the Capital Supremacy mode and the Republic Commandos and the Droidicas and all that good stuff. Um, it's just been so cool to get all this cool new stuff, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going to stop playing Battlefront anytime soon, so. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I Battlefront 2, if those who know me, I or, his, or my friend on Xbox... They know that's all I do is play Battlefront 2 and listen to a podcast or an audiobook and just zone out. That's kind of like my favorite thing to do right now as far as like this kind of like grinding time to kind of just get away from the world or what have you. Battlefront 2 is just I think it's – I'm not a big gamer, but it's an example of how a game can have the worst possible launch probably of all time but yet still be successful, pretty darn successful too. It's it's a pretty amazing story, to be honest. And it is Battlefront 2 perfect. No, no game is perfect. But to be honest, what we I'm have sure right so. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, well, yeah, I'm not a gamer, so I don't know. I, I, they don't exist in my opinion, Tim. Um, but, uh, but no, but there is, a, I, there, Battlefront 2 is a, a great game for me to play. I love it. And, I love that when it came out, but it I think right now is it what we have is just phenomenal. There's so much great content, so many great things to play. And I just yeah, I, I'm gonna be continuing to play it forever until there's another, honestly, another battlefront game in development, which may not be in, in active development right this second, but it's gonna happen. Oh let's, yeah, let's for sure. Real. It, it and and the one thing I would say that Battlefront Two is has and with Battlefront One and Two, if EA can't figure out how to launch this thing the right way, like the, on the third time, you know, third time's a charm, then they they don't have no business doing any more <laughs> Battlefront games. And 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 that being said, because the first game came out, we all complained there wasn't enough content. Second game comes out, it's an amazing amount of content launching for the most part. And then they just have some weird like money scheme thing, whatever, and and whatever. And then all of a sudden they fix it and made it more amazing. And now it's like just a f phenomenal Star Wars game. So I really do think the next Battlefront game, hopefully, will be done by Dice, and hopefully Dice can use a lot of the the, um, the props or however you want to call them the aesthetics they've had from this previous game, they can just up convert it. And they, that way when they launch the whatever Battlefront three game or whatever Battlefront game is coming out, we're going to get a lot of content at once. And it would make sense at that point, but I, I think Battlefront two is a great game. If you haven't played it that much, or you're kind of been like, Oh yeah, I think all the new characters, there's so many more fun things to do on it. I, I think it's worth checking out and playing. So I love it. I love playing with my friends. I haven't played with you guys in a while, but hopefully we'll get on there soon. And um, yeah, I 
I love I love it. I, I think it's a great game. So I'm, I'm I'm really thank you to the whole Battlefront Two team for giving us a great game. Um, uh, I really appreciate it. I mean, think about this: we got a lot of great extra content. The Clone Wars content was way more than I thought we were going to get. And with Rise of Skywalker, I, we got pretty cool stuff. I, mean, I would have preferred Exegol over like you know the stupid Jungle yeah. Planet number five, you know <laughs> whatever we got. Um, but that being said. Great stuff. We get to play as Ewoks. I mean, the only thing missing out is Imperial Guards. You should have Imperial Guards. What the heck, man? <laughs> so, I mean, but that being said, I think it's great. I, we've got a great, great game. So, yeah, I, I'm all about it. It's funny. I saw an article or a tweet from IGN that got me excited, but because my reading comprehension skills are bad, I misread what it said because it said Battlefront 2 update is releases its final one next uh battlefield coming in 2021 and i read battlefield as battlefront i was like oh, oh man, yeah battlefront 3 in 2021 oh this is gonna be sweet and it took me like what i was at work reading that when i got home to read the whole article I was like oh it's battlefield not battlefield like darn it <laughs> <laughs> but still yeah kind of what you guys said the developers that die should be real proud of themselves of where they're at now with Battlefront, now that it is finished, it's where it began because it wasn't pretty. And now, as you guys said, it's a full-fledged, great Star Wars game to play. And it wasn't at, like that at the start. There were signs of it, but now they fully reached the potential of what Battlefront 2 uh, was supposed to be when it first came out. But they didn't have to do all this work over these past two years to get it there. So the fact that they did to please the fan base i mean hats off to them for doing that because they really did an exceptional job in delivering what is now a really great star wars game um that you can get for pretty low price now and pretty much anywhere retail stores digitally on the xbox store or the playstation store that's usually on sale for a good price even the new um the celebration edition one is on sale i believe on the playstation store right now i'm not sure on xbox but it's it's out there to get for a reasonable price and i don't think any star wars fans who has either console should pass up on it now. You're in for a great experience. And I know I haven't played it out of the three of us. I'm the one who plays it the least, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I haven't even played the last update they had where BB-8 and the Droidicas. I still oh, my gosh. That's not – that's like three updates ago. The last update was the Ewoks and, like, the new blasters and stuff. Yeah, I haven't even touched that. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you play more games as, as I do that come out where you don't play the Battlefront as much or the multiplayer exclusive or not exclusive because that's the campaign. But um, the one that's mainly multiplayer focused, I just move on to other games that are more single player driven because right now I'm all about Final Fantasy VII Remake. So that's all I'm probably going to be playing for a while. But um, I'll definitely got to go check out Battlefront soon because it's the Scarif update knowing that it is the last one. Because uh, Scarif was a great map on the original or the 2015 Battlefront. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's obviously it's going to look even better in Battlefront 2. And I think it is cool. Uh, they even said this in their post about this being the final update that each movie has a planet represented in Battlefront 2 now, which is great. It encompasses not only Skywalker Saga, but you got a planets from Solo and Rogue One now in there, which is really cool to see. And Yeah, that's true. I, you could say the only thing missing is Star Wars TV content as far as actual maps, but hey, if we're going to get a Battlefront 3, that's obviously the, the direction that they can go to right away. Bring in more Clone mm-hmm. Wars Rebels. And even Mandalorian content in there would be really cool to see as well. So even though this is the final one for Battlefront 2, um, I'm 
pretty confident a third one will be on the way at some point, probably on the next generation of consoles. Um, but like you were saying, Paul, I just really hope it's something where they take all the content that we have now in Battlefront 2, put it in Battlefront 3, and just add stuff to it and just kind of upgrade it to, for the next consoles. But I, one thing that you never know when you get sequels, whether it's games like Battlefront 2 or certain uh, fighting games, where when there's a sequel, they just take certain characters or levels from the previous game and add new ones. It's never just like a continuous thing where you keep everything that was in the previous game and just add to it. But hopefully that's the case with Battlefront 3, where we keep every planet that's in the movies and just add TV content there, because that would make for an amazing Star Wars experience. What I want them to do on the next game is we have Rebels Resistance, Empire, you know, whatever. What I'm hoping they do is they have, what, Mandalorians potentially um, have that, as, you know, not just, just Empire and, and Rebels, but or, or et cetera, but actually have like factions like yeah. Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. You have gangsters, you have smugglers, you know, Jabba's henchmen or something, something like that. Pikes where, would be cool. Like, that would be yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so give us some more options for, 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 uh, factions to, to play as instead of just the same old white stormtroopers or clones. And, and again, I, I love that stuff. I think that should be a part of any game they go forward with. But I mean, with the popularity of the Mandalorian and, and the Siege of Mandalore, and by the time they put out this next game, the Mandalorians are going to be, or they are, they already were a huge part of Star Wars culture and people love them. They're going to be a part of Star Wars culture of the mainstream now or they already are, but they're getting even more so by the time this game comes out. So I think whatever they do with Battlefront, they need to incorporate more factions and incorporate a different, you know, not just the same old Rebels versus, you know, Empire. Have that as a part of the game, but add other factions so that way it doesn't get so repetitive. So you're always playing as these certain characters or or whatever. So as much as I would love to see that happen... I also don't want to get my hopes up too high. So what I would really love to see to kind of fill or like scratch that itch is like, I'm okay with battlefront games, just having the regular, you know, clones versus droids or rebels versus empire or whatever. But we do need a new bounty hunter game, like something in the vein of 1313 or like this open world game that they were supposedly working on. Um, you know, let us play a star Wars game where your main hero gets to use like the blaster and jetpack and missiles and flamethrower and all that cool stuff. Yeah, no. I, yeah. I, I think that there's, to be honest, their battlefront is always going to be a, a good selling game for them, but What's so frustrating, and I think we any Star Wars fan can agree, and any Star Wars gamer, I would assume, I, mean, I, I would I don't call myself a gamer, but I understand a little bit of that world now, which is weird for me to say and, and to say that. And I say understand a little bit, I mean a very little, but from the peripheral that I do know, uh, Battlefront obviously is a, a such a franchise changing or uh, caliber like game where it, it's going to be it's going to move mountains as far as units go. And it's talking about like a giant seller, you know, popular game that could dominate everything in its wake. And it just hasn't done it yet under EA. And to me, it's like, it has the, the game itself and, and the uh, brand, I should say, I kept thinking about what, what word to say, but the branding of the battlefront name 
and what it does and what it could do. Just it's really unlimited possibilities. And the games before it, before Battlefront, the EA got a hold of it, they really did. You know, Lucas Arts really did a phenomenal job of developing those games and giving the the players as much content, as much rich stuff as they could within the realms of their possibilities. So what they need to do now is is really take that with all the assets they have in Battlefront One and Two built up with dice. And they need to exploit and, like you said, Kyle, and add those things you're talking about and try to push the branding further, not just kind of, well, we need to sell, we need to, you know, tie in with the with the Star Wars sequel trilogy, which, we, which again, I don't blame them for, but it's something that they, it, this could be a game changer in a sense to where you don't need to tie in directly with a movie. Cause I don't believe Battlefront one and two necessarily tied directly into the star Wars films. I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it did. Just had the DLC updates by the time force awakens came out and rise of Skywalker came out. I mean, uh, last Jedi too, where they yeah. had the specific maps like Jakku for force awakens crate for last Jedi. Exactly. Asian so, for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So that was like the only tie-ins you get, but nothing really mm-hmm. story-specific. Uh, so I, I guess for me is, and again, this this is a problem with a lot of Star Wars now because everyone, you know, at least with Disney Star Wars, and I think maybe it's starting to change a little bit with the Mandalorian because Mandalorian is the first, like I'd say, Disney project where it's kind of been truly inspired and has the less attention of the mouse and is probably the most faithful to Star Wars in a sense of, of this all around kind of a feel to it as far as Disney specific. And it's been really successful. And I just want, I want to have a really creative take on the battlefront branding. And I think EA and dice could do that if they just allow themselves to, instead of being the, the idea of we have to tie into the sequel trilogy. We have to do this. We have to do that because this is star Wars, they, you know, star Wars fans, all they want to do is fly X wings and, and and though that exists, one thing that George always did was push these things forward, and and that's why I think Battlefront one and two are such are still hold up to these days, is because he pu- he made his company push the limits of those games to the point where they are just they they blew people away when they came out because they were you know they exceeded for the most part everyone's expectations, and I think that with with EA and Dice. They never exceeded our expectations. They got close to meeting them for the most part. And, and I think they they have met my expectations with Battlefront 2. But to exceed them, they need to push the branding. They need to do something different. And I think what Kyle is saying and what I'm saying and, and what a lot of people are probably want, they want something different a little bit with their Battlefront. They don't just want a, well, here's a really simple, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, story mode to do. It's like literally the easiest thing to do in the world or, you know, just, oh, it's giving you some more maps of like, you know, here's the, here's the fifth sand planet of Jakku in this, this one, it's going to be, uh, the planet that, that the Mandalorian, you know, was on that he saved baby Yoda on whatever the planet that's called something seven, five, whatever that number, whatever. My point is, it's another sand planet. We don't need another sand planet. Give me some exotic places. And though they finally did give us some of those maps in uh, Battlefront 2, it took them a long time. And it's just like, come on, man. And so all that being said, 
Battlefront 3 needs to not just give us those assets they built in 1 and 2. It needs to really it needs to go out and do something a little bit different than everything that has come before it. And I think the way to do that is taking going away from the empire and the rebels and you know the whatever's factions of those and give us a little bit something you know a little more unique so yeah but so you have to keep in mind from a business standpoint like that's the kind of stuff that sells especially like to to casual star wars fans or people that abandon it yeah yeah i'm just saying that well and you know so if they and especially from like EA's point of view, because I'm sure and I know there are a lot of Star Wars fans on the team at Dice that probably would love to do stuff like that. But, you know, from EA's standpoint, it's like if we're going to invest time and money into this, are we going to, you know, would we rather have you do it on on the stuff that everybody knows, the Luke versus Vader and the Rebels versus Empire or on uh, the stuff like, you know, Mandalorians and Clone Wars and and stuff that like the diehard fans want but maybe won't sell as well to the general audience um so i don't know i mean i would love to to see a mix of both um but yeah you know i mean and obviously that's us as diehard star wars fans but we'll we'll see what happens i mean obviously uh we're probably not getting a battlefront 3 anytime real soon um you know, they like you said, Tim. They just announced that the next Battlefield game is in development. I think for next year, and I think that's probably why they're winding down on Battlefront Two. I think they're taking a lot of the development team and moving them over to that project. Um, and because I know some of the more recent Battlefield games have had some kind of rocky launches and some issues and stuff too. So maybe they want to draw on the experience of the Battlefront team and be like, "Hey, help us, uh, you know, get this thing off the ground smoothly." Um, or at the very least, if it does have a rocky launch, like, you know, you guys know how to turn it around. So, um, but hopefully they'll get back to Battlefront at some point. I mean, obviously we have new consoles coming out around the holiday time this year. So, um, maybe we'll get a new Battlefront game in development for the next gen consoles within the next couple of years or so. Um, but yeah, obviously not the end for the Battlefront franchise and not the end for Battlefront two either. I mean, like I said, we, we have all this new great content to still play with, and uh, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people enjoying this game for a long time to come. Yeah, apparently, um, I got a lot of new stuff yet to experience in Battlefront 2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, Tim could play it a year from now and be like, whoa, this is like a whole new game. <laughs> and maybe I'll finally reach the level cap. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Probably not, unless they have like a 10 times experience point weekend or something like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's it for all the news. Um, so Paul, I know you got to jump off now. Yes. Um, so yeah, I've got some, uh, family obligations I must go to, but I wanted to kind of come jump on with my, my close friends here with you guys and, and, you know, be devoted to my Star Wars podcast that I love to talk to and, and whatnot. So with that being said, Godspeed rebels. All right. Take care, Paul. See ya. See ya. Um, so before we wrap up here, I mean, we, we've gone over all the news and stuff. Uh, but Tim, let's talk just a little bit about these first two Clone Wars episodes that we've got. Because I don't know about you, but this is almost like too much just in these first two episodes for me to save everything for after the whole Siege of Mandalore is over. Um, I mean, I could just probably... It's hard to contain the excitement I, to talk about. <laughs> I could go on for another two hours probably just Easily. talking about the last episode, The Phantom Apprentice, but um, I'm going to try to keep it brief here. Um, 
but man, I mean, just so we've got we've got old friends not forgotten and the Phantom Apprentice, which were the first two episodes, and then of course Shattered is coming up in just a couple days, uh, and then Victory and Death is the series finale on Monday. Um, but man, I mean, just we talk about how you know how good it's been to have the Clone Wars back, and obviously it looks better than ever, and and all that good stuff. Um, but also, you know, I mean, the Bad Batch was a fun arc. Um, action-packed, you know, cool stuff going on, fun characters, but not, like, it, it didn't blow me away story-wise. I mean, like I said, I think it didn't top Umbara as far as, like, clone-centric arcs go. Um, and the Ahsoka arc was, you know, more character-focused. I enjoyed that one. Some people didn't, but, you know, it was, I think it was, you know, less about the action or the big-picture story and more about just her character and kind of uh, seeing where she's at after the jet after leaving the Jedi and then of course kind of positioning some things for where she needs to be for Siege of Mandalore but we said all along I was like they're saving the best for last if you're waiting for them to to knock your socks off and you're disappointed because they haven't yet this is where it's going to happen and boy have they delivered so far like oh yes uh, just from the opening minutes of the first episode where that green opening uh, minutes opening seconds i would say. yeah yeah I mean, that's what i mean like just the, the opening frame of old friends not forgotten where you get the green old school lucasfilm limited production logo um and then of course we get the red clone wars logo like we always do with the darth maul centric episodes but um it's accompanied by the star wars main theme instead of the clone wars main theme um and it just from that moment it was like this feels like a movie and that feeling just continued from there it's so cinematic the visuals are far and away better than anything we've seen on this show before we're just saying something because clone wars has always been a great looking show um and then even in that opening reel, I mean, you've got General Grievous with a new character model that looks fantastic. You've got, uh, we see snippets of like Ayla Sakura and Plo Koon in the locations that we see them in in Revenge of the Sith. Um, now, see, I'm already starting to go through this minute by minute and we're going to be here all night. So I, I won't get into all this, but, you know, we'll, we'll save this for our for our big review. And then I'm, I guarantee you we're going to do a commentary for Siege of Mandalore at some point, too. I promise you guys that because... I'm going to talk about this, you know, these four episodes for years to come. Yeah, if I could sum up, I mean, again, this is just these first two episodes. I haven't seen the last two yet, but if I could sum them up in one word, it would just be special. These episodes just feel special. Like you said, right off the bat with that opening old school Lucasfilm logo, right away I knew we were in for something really special that we haven't seen. Well, something really special that Clone Wars is that we know it does all the time, but it's going to exceed that. Just be, make it even more cinematic, more emotional. The action is going to be off the charts good, and the animation is going to be on another level. It just delivered on all fronts of that. And again, just the first two episodes. <laughs> that's the one thing I will say that I'm kind of surprised on going into it, where I thought the duel we were going to get with Ahsoka and Amal, I was expecting that to be in the last two, like maybe the third or even final episode. Could you think that's going to be the big final battle to wrap up the story is her and Maul. So when I found out it's going to be in the second episode, I just go, oh, man, if that's the second episode, some pretty big stuff is going to be happening in those final two. And, of course, we know something really big is going to be happening, of course, with Order 66. And I don't know if I'm ready for that emotional toll it's going to have <laughs> with Rex and Ahsoka and some of the other clones. It's going to be brutal, but yet done so well by Dave Filoni and the Clone Wolves. Clone Wars clue that's going to deliver 
such a pivotal moment in Star Wars history that was done already beautifully in Revenge of the Sith, but to get a whole new aspect of that in perspective, it's going to be mind-blowing, and I'm already not only excited to see that, but then just talk about it and dissect it, how it all plays out and how it all fits in with Revenge of the Sith. And that's another cool thing about the episodes, too, where we always assume these episodes are going to lead into Revenge of the Sith, but it's already going parallel with Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin and Obi-Wan are already rescuing Palpatine from General Grievous's ship um, and during the first episode, and then Obi-Wan's talking with Ahsoka in the second episode about what happened there, and Anakin killing Dooku. So all that stuff just... This makes it so special, like I said, when you got revenge, knowing what happens in Revenge of the Sith, and then go, got this uh, battle taking place and on Mandalore, and seeing what Ahsoka is dealing with in her confrontation with Maul, and that did not disappoint. Boy, <laughs> no, it did not. Um, on and- a thematic level for their characters, and also on the action standpoint of things it's just wow mind-blowing <laughs> yeah and even leading into that i mean i just wanted to say like i i love how the first episode gave me everything i could have wanted from like i i feel like it was just it was a mixed bag like there's so much that happened in that first episode and there's you know just so many little moments um from like heartfelt character moments to cool action scenes and but even you know i was like and, and I kind of predicted this from the trailers, but there was a shot where, you know, you saw like those clone troopers flying around on the bridge, like fighting battle droids. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like that's not in, uh, that wouldn't be happening on Mandalore. Cause like they're fighting Mandalorians. They're not fighting the separatists. And so I was like, well, maybe this is something that we're just going to see in like the opening sizzle reel and related to the outer rim sieges or something. But I was like, I, it would be really cool to see one last battle with just Anakin and Obi-Wan and their clone troopers against a bunch of battle droids, like just some old school clone wars action. And that's exactly what we got in the opening five minutes of that episode. And it was a fantastic scene. Um, then, of course, you get the emotional reunion between Anakin and Ahsoka and him giving her the lightsabers back and the clones and everything. But then also some kind of tense interactions between them where you see how her perspective has changed and her and especially Obi-Wan kind of disagree on the Jedi's role yeah. when when they're leaving to go save the Chancellor. And Ahsoka's like, oh, see, like you're putting politics above the average, you know, everyday people that need you. And that's why people have lost faith in the Jedi and why you guys have lost your way. Um and yet at the same time, you can understand why Obi-Wan is, you know, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. It's like, well, if the Supreme Chancellor is kidnapped, like, yeah, of course you're supposed to go rescue him. Like, you know, but you are, you've already pledged your support to go help these people on Mandalore. And so they're kind of, you know, in this tough spot. But then Anakin's like, no, well, and, you know, he promotes Rex to commander and, and they do the whole thing with the helmets. And Ahsoka's got her own battalion now to go fight on Mandalore. Um, so a lot of, you know, just touching moments and and great character interactions there. Um, and then of course, you know, that opening battle scene where Ahsoka's jumping down on the gunships and fighting all the Mandalorians and stuff was just incredible. So cool. Um, (laughs) but then we get to the second episode and man, the, like I said, the first episode was just a great introduction to the arc and just a little bit of everything that I loved. And then the second one is where we really sink our teeth in. And, of course, Maul comes back. And, you know, Sam Witwer, who's been fantastic as Maul throughout the entire series, you know any episode he's in is going to be good. But, I mean, this is Maul at his absolute best. Like, The Phantom Apprentice, I think, might be my favorite episode of the entire series. Um, 
and it's like the duel was awesome. And I, I will say I was maybe, I don't want to say underwhelmed by it, but the one thing that, that I did kind of notice, I, I maybe wasn't like as blown away by it as I expected to be. And maybe it's just because my expectations were so high, but I think it's also partially because we know that like we knew that both of those characters were going to make it out of this because we've seen them in rebels and stuff and so maybe the stakes weren't just weren't quite as high as, whereas if you compare it to like in earlier seasons of clone wars like when we saw Darth Maul fight Pre Vizsla or the duel between Maul and Savage and Sidious like you didn't know how those duels were going to end like obviously we knew Sidious wasn't going to die but like anything was on the table at that point. And, and of course we probably knew that Maul wasn't going to get killed by, by pre Vizsla either, but like still it was like, we don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. And, and it, there was always at least one character in those duels where you're like, this guy could die. And then they did at the end. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, that's not really a gripe so much as just, and, and I was all, almost kind of surprised. Like I was expecting the lightsaber duel to be the big thing that blew me away in the episode when it was actually the character interactions and the dialogue yeah. and, and the, the stuff that Maul goes through where he like has this vision from the force and sees that, and he's, he's all like doom and gloom this whole time and feels that they're getting close to the end game. And he knows that Sidious has these plans. Um, and, uh, you know, but then he has this dream about Anakin and the whole reason that he, you know, when, when he confronts Ahsoka for the first time and he's like, oh, I was hoping for Kenobi. Why are you here? And of course we all assume, oh, he's got beef with Obi-Wan. He's always trying to kill Obi-Wan, blah, blah, blah. But he's actually, he knows that Obi-Wan always has Anakin with him. And so he's really trying to lure Anakin there so that he can kill him and disrupt Palpatine's plans. And, you know, it's not Obi-Wan he's trying to get back at, it's Sidious. Um, and the fact that he tries to convince Ahsoka to join him so they can take down Sidious together. And then she, uh, I love the, you know, before the lightsaber duel, she's almost going to join him. And the, the thing that, that makes it all fall apart is the fact that when she finds out what he's, what he says about Anakin and the things that he's foreseen and that he's the key to destroying everything, not restoring balance. And she's like, he wouldn't do that. Like that's, that's not Anakin. You're wrong. Your vision is flawed. And therefore all of this that you've based this on is wrong. And there's no point in me joining you. So I'm going to fight you. Like just adds so much more to like, to the clone wars, to revenge of the Sith, to the, and it adds a, just another layer of just depth and, and tragedy to, uh, twilight of the apprentice. And when she comes f yeah. face to face with Vader, she believes in Anakin till the very oh, end. Yes you know, she's willing to fight Maul over it. Like, she's like, no, I will fight you over the fact that Anakin Skywalker would never turn to the dark side. I'm not going to join you to try to help you stop him and stop Sidious because, like, that's not a thing. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, she's just so confident in it, too. It wasn't like, no, you're wrong. You, that's not true. Like, having to take a step back. No, she was dead set knowing. Oh, exactly. No, yeah, it's, it's not like, like you Luke, lie. That's what she said. Yeah, it's it's not like Luke in, in Empire Strikes Back when he's like, no, that's not true. That's impossible. Yeah. But you can tell, like, he's struggling to come to grips with it. Like, Ahsoka is just flat out, like, I am 100% certain that you are wrong. Like, I know Anakin, I've fought with him, trained with him, lived with him, studied with him, you know, for three years, you had a bad dream about him, like, I'm right, you're wrong. And, that, and the beauty of it is, 
Darth Maul was right. Obviously, mm-hmm. as we know, it's just God. <laughs> like you said, I mean, I couldn't. We couldn't help it when I, me and my brothers watched it at midnight <laughs> that episode. Could not wait for the next day to to watch it when I know this is going to be something special. Then couldn't go to sleep right after. So we had to watch Twilight of the Apprentice again immediately mm-hmm. after that episode. And boy, just adds so much. Like you said, and that episode's special in a in itself already without even having seen Siege of Mandalore. But now knowing what Maul and Ahsoka, what their duel was all about, and not only adds to their confrontations and interactions that they had in Twilight of the Apprentice, but boy, that Darth Vader and Ahsoka fight, just even more so knowing how Ahsoka felt during that time when it was told to her all the way back then. So that's what's great about it. It adds these new layers to their characters now because originally we always thought the first time Ahsoka even got an inkling or hint that Anakin was Darth Vader was when in the uh, Siege of Lothal premiere for season two, where there was that force connection for a little bit. And we thought that was the first hint and inclination she had. But now it was something that she wasn't necessarily thinking of at the time, but that idea or thought was there from the Clone Wars now, knowing that being told by Maul that Anakin would destroy everything didn't say really go to the dark side or become a sith he just said destroy everything but mm-hmm. well he did say just, he's been groomed as sidious's new that's apprentice true. so that's true okay but he i mean he didn't say that he was darth vader or anything like that so it, it stands mm-hmm. to reason then that i mean ahsoka still could have seen vader it could be anybody behind that helmet you know and and siege of lothal was the first time she not came face to face with him, but was in close proximity with him and sensed that familiar presence and now you have to wonder like was she like when when she screams, when she senses him for the first time, is it not just no? That can't be Anakin, but it's oh my gosh, Maul was right, and this thing exactly, that you know that yeah. I ignored and tried to bury all these years ago is now coming back to bite me in the butt. Yeah, it was great, and just yesterday I actually wanted to do this after I saw the episode, but um, I went back and read the opening prologue for the Ahsoka novel mm. by E.K. Johnson because what the thing that stood out to me the most when I read that book is how it opened with a moment from Siege of Mandalore, Ahsoka confronting Maul. And after reading it again, it's pretty much a legend story now. (laughs) Not the entire novel, but that opening prologue, because it is vastly different than what transpired in that episode. It's pretty much Ahsoka and Maul uh, taunting each other and throwing jabs (laughs) at each other. And none of the weight that was in the episode of Maul revealing to Ahsoka about Sidious's plan and Anakin and asking her to join him. All that stuff was not in that book or that opening prologue. Even the way she captures them, she pretty much, they have a very short duel. She just lose, like lures him into a containment shield to a spot in the throne room where, I don't even know if it was a throne room, but just a spot on Mandalore where he activates a containment shield and that's how they capture him. So mm-hmm. it's just vastly different than what played out in the episode. And, but the episode clearly adds so much more weight and depth to the characters and to that moment than what was previously established in the little teases we've got of the Siege of Mandalore from other um, aspects like in that Ahsoka novel. But I just found it really curious that how uh, different they ended up being, but yet it was a welcome difference for the episode to do what it did and not just have it be a lightsaber fight between these two characters where without really too much stakes going on, um, between their duel because that's what it's made out to be in that opening prologue where it's kind of like two 
failed apprentices kind of making fun of each other <laughs> during their battle instead of the revelations that Maul and the temptations that he was given to Ahsoka in this episode. So it was just so well done and couldn't be more pleased as far as being worth the wait and living up to the expectations of what this big moment for Ahsoka and Maul and their characters was going to be going into this arc and it more than delivered on that front. And uh, I just can't <laughs> stop thinking about how there's still only two episodes and we know that this isn't the last we're going to see Maul and Ahsoka. And I kind of have a guess to where things may go in these last two. And it just makes me excited to see, um, to see him and just watch how the story concludes because boy, it is ending on a bang. And I have no doubt that these next two episodes are going to be no exception. Yeah, definitely. Now, I mean, I kind of have predictions too. I think they, I think they may end up having to help each other survive during Order 66, but then I also wonder if they're going to end up having one final confrontation, because you remember in Rebels, uh, Maul says he's like, running away again, Lady Tano, and, and Ahsoka never ran away from him in this episode. Nope. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, and it's crazy. You think that the next two are just going to be, oh, Order 66 is going to happen, and then it's going to be like Ahsoka and Rex on the run. But you think about how much was crammed into these first two episodes. It's like, I think we still have a lot of surprises in store for the next two. And, uh, you know, I mean, we kind of know what's going to go down, and we kind of know how how it's going to end up, but we don't know how we're going to get there and, and what all is going to happen along the way. So it's going to be really exciting to see. I'm sure it's going to be emotional and gut-wrenching and thrilling and exciting and and so many more emotions i can't wait to get back on and talk to you guys about it next week um but uh yeah it's it's exciting stuff i mean this is what we were hoping for when clone wars came back mm -hmm. right i mean we said it all exactly. along like we were really just hoping to get siege of mandalore and the fact that we got a, a 12 episode season i mean the bad batch and the ahsoka arc were just icing on the cake um i would really say like the bad batch was icing on the cake the ahsoka arc was kind of necessary just to, again, go from point A to point B. I think if we had just gotten Siege of Mandalore, it would have been a bit jarring. You know, it'd be like, well, she just walked away from the Jedi Order. How did she end up with the Mandalorians and stuff? So I'm glad that we got that just as kind of a bridge story, even though it's not necessarily the most exciting story in its own right. Um, but I, I do like that we have that just to, to set up where we are now. And then Siege of Mandalore, they're pulling out all the stops just as promised. And it is so worth it it's been so great so far and i can't wait to see what's lying in store for us in these next couple episodes same here i mean yeah excited to watch him but just as excited too to talk about and recap breakdown dissect that entire arc like we always do with big star wars events and moments that's going to be remembered for a long time when you think of classic star wars whether it is movies or the tv show i think siege of mandalore has already proven that it's going to be one of those moments and these next two episodes are probably just going to solidify that so i cannot wait to talk about the whole arc what it's uh, concluded and uh we would finally see it after wanting to and wanting to and waiting for so long and hoping for so long <laughs> that we would be able to see the final clone war story and we're almost there now and it's just been so worth it so mm -hmm. worth the wait yeah definitely um, but that's going to do it for now. Obviously, like I said, next, next episode, uh, we'll record sometime next week and just break down the entire arc and it'll be much longer than this one. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about it while we were at the halfway point. 
um, and we'll break it all down next time. But uh, also, you know, I just wanted to recap some of this news and stuff before uh, we got to May the 4th. Um, but before we wrap up here, uh, Tim, do we get any comments or listener responses or any of that kind of stuff that we want to read? Um, we got one Twitter response regarding the end of the Battlefront updates, and that comes from our friend Martin Elman at Darmit Studios. Um, he's saying how he's bummed that this is the end of an era with Battlefront 2, but at the same time, it's been a great run, and we are lucky to get so much content after launch. My only hope is we get for the next Battlefront is even more Clone Wars and Rebels content, including characters slash skins. And I think we are in 100% agreement with you there, mm-hmm. Martin, that as I talked about earlier, that's the direction I really hope they go for a third one, where it's a great mix of movie and TV content when it comes to locations and characters that you get to be. So we're right there with you. Yeah. I mean, but, if nothing else, we at least need Ahsoka as a playable hero in the next Yeah, one. definitely. I mean, that was something we were kind of hoping for throughout the updates <laughs> over the, these last two years with Battlefront 2. It didn't quite happen, but that just leaves more room for the next one. Mm-hmm. So bring in like those main TV characters like Ahsoka, Rex, or... Din Djarin the Mandalorian. Yeah. Ventress. Maybe even Baby Yoda will show up. <laughs> like a support character or something. That would be fun. I would feel he'd probably be a little overpowered. <laughs> I mean, hey, we never thought we'd get BB-8, so you never know. Exactly. But then yeah, who'd want to shoot at him, though? Maybe that's the thing. You can't. He's maybe like such a rare character that you could be. He's almost invisible where characters like cannot shoot at you <laughs> just become <laughs> overpowered with cuteness that they're not they just stand still and you just wipe them out <laughs> or if you're playing as din jaren you can like summon a little like floating baby yoda in a hover pod that just follows you around <laughs> yeah just a little aesthetic of him in the game would be cool even if he's not playable just seeing him there would be really cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah but anyway of course you guys can uh you know, follow us online and, and send us comments and messages and stuff on Twitter at Star Wars TSC on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com for all the latest episodes and news stories that we're posting and all that good stuff. Um, and of course, also be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, But that's going to do it for now. Uh, Enjoy the last two episodes of Clone Wars. Enjoy May the 4th. Happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you all. Uh, We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, and may the 4th be with you. See you next time, everybody.